Hey G12 family, welcome to our podcast. We are so excited to have you here. We know this message will draw you closer to God's word, his will, and his way wherever you are. Enjoy the message. I want to speak to you about invite Jesus into your house. What is it? Invite Jesus into your house. Ben Carson is the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. And he's very known for being a neurosurgeon. But things didn't start well for him because his mom was a single mom. Well, she was married for many years, but then she found out the husband had another marriage on the side. So she got divorced and she was like left completely alone with her two little kids. And she just started to do housework on her own. And after a few years, then her children started to be like violent. Then she would start seeing them like always like watching TV TV every day. And then she went to the house that she worked in, and the owner was always reading books. He had a really big library, and then she asked him, Do you, have you read all of those books? And then he said, yes. And then she was like, wow, that's, that's great. And then she, she thought like, wow, this is different from my house. My kids are always watching TV. And then you are always reading with your kids. Has that happened to you? You're like, okay, these kids are great. They're like, they know how to play instruments, and my kids, <laughs> they don't know anything. I'm just kidding. But the, I imagine that's like how she felt. And she was like, huh, perhaps I need to start reading more, and my kids needs, need to start reading more. So when she got home, she told her kids, our rules are going to change. No more TV for you guys. You're only going to watch TV once a week, and it's only going to be for 30 minutes on Saturdays. Every day you're going to go to the library after school, and you're going to give me a book report, which I'm going to check, and uh, I'll highlight what it says, what I like, and then that's it. So at first, her kids were like, oh, great. But... Um, then I was, I was actually reading um, Ben Carson's book, Gifted Hands, and he's like, I started to fall in love with those books, and I started to get inside those books, and, and things started changing for me. Then that was the thing that I loved the most doing. Some years later, they found out their mom did not know how to read. She was just faking it. She was just highlighting whatever. And... <laughs> And, but they were so grateful. You know, he graduated with honors from Yale. He was the first neurosurgeon to separate Naomi, Siamese twins from the head. So, and, and then there was a movie made that's called Gifted Hands. It's an old movie, but it's really good about his life. But everything changed in the house. Say that with me. Everything changed in the house. And how does your house look like? Perhaps when people go inside your house, they, if you're there with visitors, they look fine. But when, when those visitors leave the house or when you close the doors, 
What are some of the things that could happen inside the house? Look at these images here. <coughs> Perhaps anger, violence, arguing. What happens inside the house? And the next one. And this little girl just draws what's happening with her parents. So what is really going on when those doors close? Even you, you can come to church for many years, but I have no idea what goes in your house. Only you know what goes inside. And there's a phrase that I really liked that says, if Jesus is not in the home, then the most important person is missing. And the most per important person is missing, then the house is empty. So who's the most important person? Jesus. Jesus. And let's look at what, uh, what Mark 5, 22 through 24 say. say. It says, then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So what is happening here? Jairus, say with me, Jairus, is a synagogue leader. So he's an important person. If you know anything about uh, Israel or Jews, you know that being a synagogue, synagogue leader is one of the main, most important jobs there is. So he's a really, really important person. And there was a really big problem he was facing. What was it? His little daughter was dying. Say that. His little daughter was dying. And imagine this. He knows, if he's a synagogue leader, that means he knows the law. He knows the book of the law. But then he hears about Jesus. And he knows that Jesus is performing miracles. He knows that Jesus is being used by God. Perhaps he even knew inside his heart that Jesus was the son of man. And there, his little daughter was dying. What would you do if you came up to Jesus? You know, I imagine he went with, like, that, you know, anguish. You're like, you have to come to my house. My little daughter is dying. Please come. So what is dying in your house? What is dying? For Jairus, what was dying was his little girl, literally. I don't know what is dying in your house. Perhaps you're married and that love is dying. Perhaps you don't get along with your siblings. So think about it. What is dying in my house? And then when Jesus was walking towards his house, you know, he healed a woman who was very sick for 12 years. And then what happens? Look at when Mark 536 says from the Amplified Version, it says, your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any longer? Overhearing what was being said, Jesus said to the synagogue official, do not be afraid, only keep on believing in me and in my power. I really like this version. So after a few hours, then some people come to Jairus as Jesus was walking towards his house. 
towards Jarvis's house. They come, and it's like, it's not good news. What happened? What happened then? She died completely. So a few hours later, there was still hope. She was dying. But then a few hours later, what happened? She died completely. But what really amazes me is like Jesus' attitude. He was super chilled. He was like, no worries. No, nothing has happened. Don't be afraid. Only keep on believing. You know, imagine if you were next to Jesus and you know like, okay, she died. And Jesus is like, okay, no worries. Don't be afraid. Keep on believing. You know, what would you do? And I love this version that says, in me and in my power. So tell a person next to you, keep on believing. Keep on believing. God is the God of the impossibles. Perhaps you think, man, there's no more hope for my life. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. But the Bible says in Acts 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. So the only thing you really got to do is believe. Say believe. Believe with all of your heart that things are going to get better, that I'm going to get through this, that, you know, no matter what's going, what's happening in me, even if it's your own life that you feel like dead inside, that you feel like you don't want to live anymore, that you feel like there's no purpose in life, God is telling you today, believe, believe in the impossible. There is this movie called Breakthrough. I don't know if, have you seen it? Who's seen that movie, Breakthrough? Is that the movies? Um, I think now it's like on, for renting. It's a really great story. It's based on a true story. And I was amazed to hear about it. Is this little boy who's a 14-year-old boy. He was in Missouri standing on ice when all of a sudden him and his two friends, you know, the ice melted and then they fell inside the ice. And he was there for 15 minutes inside the water, like freezing cold water. And the rescuer was able to get him because they couldn't find him. But the rescuer was able to get him. And when he got him, um, they took him to the hospital. 45 minutes later, they said he was dead. Like, okay, he died. But his mom was a Christian. And she believed in the power of resurrection. And she's like, my boy is not dead. Same thing that Jesus did, she, she said to her. My boy is not dead. And she declared that the power of the Holy Spirit would heal him right there. She started praying in that room where, where they had declared him dead. And she said, right now I speak life into you, boy, and you're going to live. And the spirit of resurrection is going to come upon your life right now. As she was praying, you know, with that faith, then pulse started coming back. And his heartbeat started coming back. And Jesus basically rose him from the dead. And he's completely fine. They would have told, they had told him, 
if he lives, he's going to be in a vegetative state for the rest of his life. But Jesus did the miracle, and he lived. He was raised from the dead. That's the guy that we serve. It's a really great movie if you want to see it. Uh, you're going to get really inspired. It's actually a Hollywood movie, so it's really, really well done. Um, we, we got to see one of the executive producers. He's a pastor, and he's like, it's the first Hollywood movie that the main character is the Holy Spirit. So it's a great, great, great movie, and we're making history there. So all you got to do is really believe that there is power in Jesus. And that's sometimes that's one of the hardest things for a human person because you're always, like, doubting. A lot of us have gone through this. You're like, okay, is God real? You know, is what I'm hearing, is that real? Because I hear all these things in my school. I hear all these things in, like, everywhere on the news I like, sometimes I doubt, but you got to go through that doubt and you got to make a decision to believe. Then let's look at what Mark 5.37 says. It says, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? This child is not dead, but asleep. This is great. Let's look at the first part. It says, he did not let, any, let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John. So what is the first thing that God, Jesus is doing there? He's like, these people that are complaining, these people that are, like, saying all these negative things, you're not allowed to come inside. Only these three people are going to come with me because these are people of faith. And I'm only going to pray for this little child with these three people. And he's like, okay, why are you doing all these things? The child is not dead but asleep. Again, he's not worried at all. He knows that the Holy Spirit is going to heal. heal this little girl. And this is the way he speaks. So in the same thing you can do in your house. You can make a decision to take the negativity out of your house. Who are you allowing inside your house? You know, you can make the rules. You can say, okay, not in my house. You're coming. You can, only these people can come inside my house. And you can have some principles in your house and start living by them. You know, we have, a, we have three kids. Our oldest daughter, her name is Ariana. She's four years old. And she's really like an extrovert. So all she wants to do is like play around for you to like, you know, she wants to be like the leader and, and, and for you to just chase her and you know she's always like cracking jokes and she's like the funny one but then when she's happy she's super happy you know and then when she's mad she's super mad right and then she would start like yelling and then she's like ah, like that <laughs> but and as parents what do you have to do discipline your your kids right 
It's the fun part. Woo. <laughs> so uh, lately, we've had to discipline her a couple of times. But we always tell her, like, okay, we do not allow yelling in this house. Every time she yells or every time it's like, we remind her those are our, are our rules. Those are our principles. So she knows, like, you're not allowed to behave this way in this house. So in the same thing, you can have principles for your house. You can say, okay, I will never yell, even if you're not the owner of the house or even if you don't live with your parents, you can still have principles. Even if you, ha if you have roommates, you can say, okay, I will never yell. I will always have a good attitude towards the people that are in my house. Even if I don't agree with what they're doing, I will always have a good attitude. I will only bring people of faith into my house and my house will become a house of peace. And this is exactly what Jesus did when he went into Jairus' house. He's like, only these three people are coming inside because the rest of you guys is not going to be helpful. And the great thing about this is that you can actually open your house for like a small group. Or you can open your house for a Bible study group, which we call cell groups. And I love cell groups because here in church is like a general thing, right? But the place where you can get, you can feel like you're like on the one-on-one -on -one thing where you can actually like learn more, get to meet other people is the cell group. So what happens in a cell group? You learn about the word of God, you build a sense of community, and you grow in your faith. So you can say like, wow, things can start changing in my house. And if I'm going to invite Jesus in my house, then once a week we can start doing something really special in my house. And I was reading that, like, you know, that's for, for, for the human being, well, we all need that sense of community. We all need that sense of, like, feeling loved, right? And I love that about the cell groups because you're actually creating that community with each other. Where a lot of people, they come here from other countries and they don't have family. And so your subgroup, they become like your family. You're there together to learn. You're there together to pray for each other. So I really want to encourage you guys, if you feel like, wow, I want to become part of a subgroup if you're not part of one. Or if you, or, or if you, or if you say, like, I want to open my house. For somebody, for a leader to come and lead a cell group, it's a one-hour study group, and it's amazing. It's life-changing. You know, your life is going to be way better. Your faith is going to grow, and you're going to feel like, wow, my house is a house of peace. I'm inviting Jesus into my house. So if you really want to do that, also you can go to the Connect Corner at the end, write down your name, and say, I want to open my house for a cell group or I want to become part of a cell group if I'm not part of it. And that's a way of inviting Jesus into your house. It's really special. I host uh, about two cell groups in my house every week. And for us, it's a joy to, to have people come over. We always have food and we have a time like of learning the word of God, praying for each other, and also 
sharing with each other. So that's one of our favorite times of me and my husband. We get to host these cell groups. And you can do the same things. You can become a host or you can actually attend one if you want to attend one near your house. And then after Jesus told these guys, come inside me, come with me, Peter, James, and John, and let all those negative people outside because the child is not dead but sleep. Then in Mark 5:41 it says, taking the child's hand, he said tenderly to her, Talita kum, which translated from Aramaic means little girl, I said to you, get up. This little girl immediately got up and began to walk because she was 12 years old. And immediately they who witnessed the child's resurrection were overcome with great wonder and utter amazement. Imagine, he was super calm. He didn't have to yell or anything, but he simply grabbed the child's hand and he said, Talita kum, which means what? Child, get up. Just simply said those words and what happened? The child rose from the dead immediately. And everybody was filled with amazement because they saw the power of resurrection. So there are no impossibles for God. Allow Jesus to speak life into you. Allow him to speak life into you. You know, as a family, we went through a really hard situation where, you know, it was on my birthday, my 13th birthday, and it was like a normal day. My parents are pastors in Colombia. And right after my dad spoke, we were on our way to celebrate my birthday, actually. So it was like a, a normal Sunday. And randomly, there's these two guys on a bike who just got super close to our car and then started shooting at my parents. We were all in the car. But it was a decree of death because they were really close and one of the bullets went inside my dad's neck with, from this side and it got out th through that side. And two in the chest and my mom got one really close to her heart. So it was a total decree of death towards my family. But you know what my dad had preached about that day? Romans 8, 11. That says that if the spirit who rose Jesus from the dead dwells in you, that same spirit will raise you from the dead. That was the verse he had preached about. And he didn't know he had to experience it that same day. And I, you know, that's one of the moments that mark you. And I remember that at that time, you know, my dad was completely bleeding. And he's like, just stop the car. And then he started saying that verse. He just started declaring that verse. If the spirit who rose Jesus from the dead dwells in me, that same spirit is going to raise me from the dead. And he just started quoting 
that verse over and over. And my mom started to speak life. And she started saying, Cesar, don't die, don't die, don't die. I speak life unto you. So I don't know what you're going through. And I don't know if today you're experiencing death in your life. But allow Jesus to speak life. Allow his spirit to come inside of you. Because that same spirit who rose Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life. When disagreement comes and the love is dying, you're going to say, I speak life. I speak life. When your finances are short and your numbers reflect death, you're going to say, I speak life. When dreams are gone and hope is lost, you're going to say, I speak life. When doubt comes and you don't know if God is real, you're going to say, I speak life. When you don't feel like living and depression comes, you're going to say, I speak life. When fear is near and wants to hurt you down, you're going to say, I speak life. I speak life. I speak life. Because there is power in the name of Jesus. And nothing is impossible for he who believes. Thanks so much for tuning in. Before you go, make sure to click the follow button so you never miss what's new. We would love to connect with you. You can follow us on Instagram at G12Church and share with us how this message has impacted you. Until next time.